in some ways I feel like I'm back working in Barto because you do get very used to this being remote um, and, yeah. <laughs> and talking to people, I think. It just seemed, it actually, it taught me a lot about working that way and um, I think that's one important skill that people get when they work there, actually. And I reflected on your question about remote working, which comes up a lot, and I've you've probably heard a couple of things I've done on remote working. Yes. I don't know. I, I think that um, there's a challenge there, but um, you can't ever replace the face-to-face. Like, this is good, mm. Like, but I know you as well. Mm. Well, we've met a few times, but yeah. not particularly well. But I don't know. I Like, I work with Mexico and I speak to them every week. And I'm actually coaching the COO in a formal capacity. Like he asked me to, like we have a meeting yeah. and then a coaching session and we're doing that remote. Mm-hmm. And I know another um, friend of mine who's a very senior coach with PwC and she coaches partners in Singapore. Um, and so she's doing that regularly. Yeah. I think we're just so lucky we have the technology to do it. Yeah. What I think what you lose though is like when I'm in the office, um, people will come and just talk to you about stuff when they see you. Yeah. So, you, like, you don't always make a meeting for those things. And I think that's the bit that you, so you can get a lot done yeah. and very kind of um, eff, like efficient way of doing things, but you miss the um, corridor conversations. Yes, and um, I think maybe technologists might have the edge a little bit because they use a lot of chat tools anyway, so they're just in the habit of doing that. So um, I think that's why a lot of the the tech teams um, get quite good at it. Yes, Um, yeah. Because you don't realise when you're not working in a team every day doing the same thing how much of that incidental conversation that you have in the corridor. Yeah. I think I think that's right. There's so many tools to chat now that I don't ever feel excluded or isolated. Like because even today, like I've got somebody chatting to me about, you know, some work they're doing and it's kind of more of a, you know, what do you think of this and that we're kind of going back and forward. You have to have the relationship, I think, to do that too because sometimes, you know, you can messages can get a bit lost in translation or if someone's stressed, I found that sometimes the chat, they've got a lens on what they think is going to happen or what they think the response is or uh, they interpret it a way that it's not intended. Mm. Uh, so I think you have to be somewhat careful with the chat depending on the topic. But, mm. um, yeah. Hello and welcome to the weekly reboot, your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. What you were just listening to was Michelle Risdale. She is the Chief People Officer at Invato, the digital giant that started here in Melbourne and is now huge. Uh, We launched straight into what it was like to work remotely as they are well known, very well known for being very good at remote working. And then what follows now is a whole range of insights from someone who has the top people management job at a company that is very focused on great culture and is also a company that has agile ways of working in its DNA. Yeah, so let's uh, start off by just, if you could just tell us a brief um, three-minute elevator pitch on your career and how it led you to Invato. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, so I'm going to show my age here. I've been in HR for over 20 years. 
years. Um, HR wasn't my first career though, so I um, managed medical practices before I went into HR. Um, I started at PricewaterhouseCoopers in HR though after the merge. Uh, so that was an interesting role because um, there's a lot of change going on between Coopers and Pricewaterhouse at the time. Um, and my role was very much development focused. But then I moved into generalist roles in manufacturing. That was a bit of a shock to the system after going from PwC, corporate, um, uh, into retail and then back to professional services. So um, interesting roles. I've had some roles that are very specialist focused, so uh, diversity roles and employment relation roles, and they've kind of, you know, given me a, that sort of depth of experience so that when I've stepped into the uh, director of HR and operations at Redify, um, it, it gave me a well-rounded toolkit to draw on. So uh, I spent five years at Redify uh, on their exec, um, joined when they were 150 people, built the function from nothing to having a full recruitment uh, team internally and a HR team, uh, and then sold the business to Telstra, which was an interesting experience as well. Uh, Redify was my first role in tech, uh, so uh, it was kind of a yeah shock, I suppose, to start with, but I couldn't imagine now not being in the tech industry. Um, when it was time to start looking, though, for another role after the sale, I uh, I was looking in the tech uh, companies for, for a role and it was quite hard because I wanted something that was growing rapidly but uh, where I could add value to the business um, and it had to be people-focused. So, so that's how I ended up at Invato in a very people-focused business. Um, I also have a strong interest in neurodiversity, uh, autism and inclusion and always sort of looking for opportunities to support families and businesses um, with inclusion. Excellent. So that's kind of me. Yeah. And, well, I wanted to also say, um, well, my next question was, you know, what's it like to work in a company that is so um, heavily invested in in culture and also at the same time congratulate you for coming seventh was it in the great place seventh, yeah first time ever in the top 10 so we've been uh, consistently in the top 20 for the last uh, five years um, but getting um, top 10 and seven was a pretty awesome result and everyone is uh, super excited uh, big celebration coming up on Monday uh, with the team, so that's fun. That's great. Well, that's a real win for your team, I guess, and your role. I know that you're all humble there and you won't want to brag about it. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's great to be able to share it, um, though, with, with the world at large because, um, because it does showcase Envato um, and people are looking for that um, kind of, yeah, like they're looking for what it means for them when they come uh, and work for us. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, I guess when I joined Invato, like I was quite surprised about, um, I suppose, the uh, the real focus on values. So other organisations I've worked for, um, they talk about values um, but never really live them day to day. Um, not to say never, but, um, but Invato has a very strong alignment to, to values which comes from the founders and uh, they take it really seriously. Um, they think about the values when they're making decisions, both business and people, and um, and I haven't really seen that in other organisations before. Um, 
So I feel, I guess, very privileged to be part of um, an organisation like that and I've learned a huge amount from Colas, who's the CEO, mm-hmm. um, who's um, who, who really thinks about things differently, I think, to other CEOs and uh, is very people-focused. But it is also challenging because as you grow and scale, trying to keep the culture um, and keep the... I suppose the essence of um, Envato as you grow and scale, bringing in new leaders, uh, bringing in new uh, team members. You know, people come with their own view of the world, and uh, and it's quite quite difficult, I think, for some people to assimilate into an organisation that is um, that is focused so much on values. And some people get caught up, I guess, with the values in terms of well, that means you know. You can't be performance oriented mm-hmm. because you have values, you know, that are mm-hmm. kind of more around fair go. But um, I would say that you can do that. You just have to manage performance in a fair, uh, in a fair way. Mm. So yeah, definitely. That's example. I definitely yeah. think that Envato people, yeah, are pretty keen on people performing highly. Um, but I know what you mean about it. Yeah, it takes a while to get used to it where you might join a company sometimes and people really want you to come in and almost be a real driver for change or bring something, you know, that you might have taken from another place. It's kind of like, um, you know, in a balanced way. Yeah, it's, it's, it is tricky, I think, because you do, like we are going through a period of change. You know, we've had a few changes at our um, exec, we call it a NAV team mm-hmm. um, level. So, um, and we've had, you know, changes in team members as well. And as you bring in um, more capability and more senior people, their expectation is that they will come in and, and you know, drive change and do it fast. And I guess uh, for Envato it's, it's you know, about doing all of that but in a very values-aligned um, way. And what about those challenges of growing? Like what kind of, because the... You know, people enjoy being there so much. I suppose that there's probably resistance to even the idea of growing from some corners. What kind of resistance yeah. do you get? I think that, I think that's right. The i the idea, you know, uh, people like like people like being here as it is. I guess, but um, you like you. I suppose with a business, the systems and processes haven't necessarily scaled. So what that sort of translates to is more people to do the same work because it can be manual Um, and so if you take a look at well what do you need to do to improve that automation uh, improving processes it's kind of the boring stuff and (laughs) and people like the shiny new stuff and they don't necessarily want to go and fix all the things and um, but I liken it to a house like if you don't get the foundations right uh, and you keep building then eventually something's going to break mm-hmm. and uh, and you do need to go back and repair and um, and that can take a long time so so I think it is um, it is challenge a challenge because people don't like to um, to focus on that sort of uh, the hygiene and and what they see as the boring stuff um, I think building leadership capability is also challenging you know we've got a number of great people and we want to invest in them and grow them but um, that takes time as well. It's not not something you can kind of click your fingers and make it all kind of great. And it's not a one size fits all. You, we have different levels of leadership, and um, people want different things. So um, you know, it's not so much resistance to 
building capability, but it um, it's about tailoring it and making sure we meet the needs of all the people. Yeah. And as I said just before, performance is performance management can be tricky, um, uh, particularly in a changing environment because if you've not necessarily managed performance before and then you start managing performance, people can uh, can you know get a little bit upset about you know how that's done and. Um, but I always maintain as long as we, we're giving people a fair go and that we're managing performance with respect and um, I think you can do that in a, in a values-aligned way. But you do see, I guess, some resistance to, to doing that um, in an organisation that maybe hasn't done it before. Mm. So my next question is about um, what, what I'm calling cultural fails, but I, I think, you know, it happens in every organisation. You've got, you've got people, people are individuals, things are going to happen that, um, you know, seem very antithetical to the culture. But does that feel worse in a company where it's just so, it's got such a strong culture and values lens on it? I think people hold us to a high standard. I'm sure, like, even it's hard to um, be objective when you're in here, but I'm sure that externally people hold you to such high standards that when something isn't quite right or something, you know, hits the media, people are like, oh, my goodness, did that really happen at Envato? I think that uh, we all have high standards, I think, here at Envato anyway, and, um, and people tend to... Uh, align their behaviour to those standards. So, um, but things are going to happen, and no workplace is perfect. So, I, I kind of, I'm realistic about that. But um, I think what we do probably, maybe more so than other places, is take um, whatever's happened quite seriously. We sit down, we reflect on it, talk about it. Myself, Collis, the NAV team, and uh, and discuss the best way to resolve it. Um, when I've seen things happen in other organisations, it's probably more under lock and key and not really talked about and maybe there's a formal media response or, you know, something like that, whereas here it feels like it's a it's a more humanistic way to deal with it and we talk about it. We're really transparent, so then once we've talked about it at the NAV level, we'll share, you know, our reflections, you know, we will own what's gone wrong or... Um, or explain where we think it hasn't gone wrong and where there's perceptions. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's it's probably not so much that um, it's worse, it's just that it's a more, um, uh, like a, a more considered way of uh, dealing with those things. Yeah. Is there a danger or downside to having a leadership team that's so um, people-focused? Mm, good question. Um for, for me, I don't believe our NAV team is just people-focused. That's not to say there's not a lens of people on things, but um, we've got a broad range of experience on the NAV from technology through to commercial, finance, legal uh, and people. Um, and it's true that values is uh, part of all of our decisions and quite often you'll see conversations that even when they're business-related or policy-related or um, you know, in any kind of decision we're kind of making, we'll have a people lens, um, and it's it's really so that we sit back and and say, well, how will this decision impact our people, um, our authors, our customers? So uh, it's taking a holistic view at um, how the decisions are made. So um, I think it's still super important to have 
a commercial approach and um, as a NAV team we're working quite hard to make sure that we bring that sort of commercial lens so it's not just people mm-hmm. uh, otherwise we won't meet our our aspirations um, which is you know making sure that the whole ecosystem is um, you know is supported from authors to customers to our people across the globe our coaching yes I love the coaching question yeah so the coaching question is all about the delivery coaching capability which is inside your team and what do you think you feel you need to know to support a team that coaches other teams and and do you bring that kind of to your own to the team at large yeah um I love having the coaches in our team actually it's um one of the best things I did was as you know um from our other conversations is bring the coaching team under the organizational development team um and the reason I did that is there's just so much crossover in what they do they're working um very closely with teams and the the OD team is working very closely on programs that um support teams and um, and so, you know, I have a like a, a real respect and passion for, for that group. Um, I've worked with Agile teams in the past, so I was very familiar with the coaching approach and, um, and, um, and I'm very, I suppose, feel very privileged to have Jay, one of our senior coaches in the team, uh, who brings a huge amount of balance and um, perspective to, to the team. Um, I particularly like some of the um, approaches that they use with uh, the business around retrospectives and um, alignment sessions. Um, you know, uh, they, they've got a great um, rapport with the teams where they can run, um, you know, working agreement sessions or uh, team, just team effectiveness sessions and, and what they can do in bringing the tools that OD are developing or the programs, you know, they can actually roll those out. And, um, you know, I definitely use them uh, for our team as well, you know, get good ideas from Jay and the other coaches on how to run, uh, you know, run our alignment days and our roadmaps and, and those sorts of things. Um, we're also having a lot more conversations now about how we can expand that role of um, coaching into the business through um, our learning studio and having more uh, facilitated sessions across teams, so inviting people to come to a session rather than just facilitating within teams, Mm -hmm. um, actually using the coaches to, um, you know, uh, to facilitate learning uh, programs, whether it's positive psychology or, or you know, other, um, you know, sessions that they have um, expertise in. Mm. So expanding oh. their, their rollout. I'm sure they would love that, adding all of those other little skills and tools into their toolkits as well. Yeah, I, I guess for me, like Agile is, um, you know, it's such a widely used term and, um, lots of people are catching up to, you know, running agile practices, and I guess it's always thinking ahead the future of agile coaches. What does that look like? So, um, making sure once all the people are agile, uh, what else can we, you know, wh- where else can we leverage their their skills and relationships? And they're called upon a lot more, you know, whether it's, hey, can you come and work with our team on building more trust or, you know, so it's not just coaching on agile practices, it's coaching teams on effectiveness and 
um, and therefore the the alignment to you know the OD team has has been super helpful. So well, that's great actually. Yeah, we definitely see a lot of interest from HR teams when we're maybe inside coaching technology teams. Um, so I can see those kind of worlds converging more and more companies these days. But that's really good that you're so strongly leveraging that. Yeah, I think that a lot of teams, not just HR teams, can leverage these practices, not like outside uh, tech um, mm. delivery teams uh, because, you know, you're forever getting tasks thrown at you and having being able to have a backlog and, you know, have your roadmap mm. and when things are coming up and make sure that all your teams are aligned and, you know, that there is an opportunity to run a retrospective when things haven't gone Quite well, sometimes we use the retrospective process when we're debriefing um, survey results like Great Places to Work and mm-hmm. engagement surveys and things like that. Mm. And there's always going to be a people are going to want a flow of people to be arriving at a, at a company that's um, growing. So I'm sure that the that's rate right. of recruitment is something that you're kind of trying to track and, and optimise as well. Yeah, exactly. And um, and having having that kind of lens, I think the... The coaching lens on all of that is um, is super important. Yeah. Um, so we talked briefly about remote before, but is there an additional challenge to the topic of people management when so many people are remote? Um, yeah, like I like I said before, I think that um, it's not not so much a challenge rather than have dif- having having different practices to manage remote teams. So making sure you've got good uh, group goals and team goals and that there's a a method for uh, connecting in or syncing up each day, whether that's, um, you know, a stand-up, you know, that's uh, via Hangouts or that there's an async on Slack or something like that, Mm -hmm. Uh, making sure all of the um, meetings are remote-friendly. So, you know, at Invada we're pretty lucky we have screens in every room and um, and everyone is uh, au fait with how to do that. We run our all-hands each uh, every fortnight where we have a good, I don't know, sometimes I think it's half of the org um, remote uh, and our manager meetings, you know, we often have a lot of those people remoting in as well. So mm. uh, we're pretty good at, at doing that and I think the key is to make sure uh, that we're outcome focused, not mani- um, measuring effectiveness in terms of being in the office. Yeah. Um, but as I said before, the thing that uh, you can't replace is that sort of um, the human sort of face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know, the corridor conversations. And we've introduced just recently a back-to-base concept where we, um, it's not mandatory, but we encourage um, everyone in Australia to come back to base uh, once a quarter. And during those times, we, we encourage the teams to um you know, to sync up on what they're doing work-wise but have some social activities and we run some company-wide things at the same time. Yeah. Uh, we try and make sure our leadership program, that there's a topic or something running at that time so that the leaders can come together or have dinner or something like that. So Yeah, that's cool. It must seem like very crowded with everybody suddenly around. The, uh, the the Monday of the first week of Back to Base was pretty hectic this time. Uh, getting meeting rooms was pretty hectic, but we've got such great breakout spaces. We've got the basement. We've got new meeting rooms in the basement. So mm. uh, so that's all, um, you know, it's all manageable, but it, it did feel a little crowded in the office. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, um, one of my personal low points was having to do a difficult conversation um, over a VC once when I was totally unequipped to do so. Um, any tips that you've got? You must have had to have a few difficult conversations remotely. Yeah, I, I actually remember uh, before I joined Invato one where we had an office in Sydney um, and we didn't have any meeting rooms and we actually had to um, terminate somebody's for poor performance having had lots of discussions and um, but there you know there was no meeting rooms and um, and actually this state um, manager had to take the person outside <laughs> into a the courtyard area and um, you know and dial me in because wow. you couldn't have it. so that was really hard I found you know I found that that was way more stressful than having um, you know like the remote conversation where people are in their home. Yeah. Um, the things that I always remind my team, you know, if they're doing, you know, having a performance discussion is make sure that you've warned the person so they've got somebody there. Um, maybe there's a family member or a friend that can be at least nearby so they've got the right support um, and, um, and offer them, you know, any other EAP and, and those sorts of things. But not, not ideal having those things remote but um, I think you know now the world is kind of moving on and um, you know people want to have a remote uh, workforce and you know a lot of our people want to work for Envato and they might live in Queensland or mm -hmm. you know outback New South Wales mm. uh, so yeah you want you want to be able to support that um, and with that comes um, you know sometimes when you have to have those difficult conversations I think the most difficult is when uh, you're actually talking to somebody, not so much managing performance, but you're trying to support them through a difficult issue and um, and they're upset. Um, you know, that's that's kind of hard doing it on, on the screen and yeah. not so being able to... Reach over and give them a pat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's only so much you can kind of, you know, um, so much emotion you can, you know, give, you know, when, when, when it's a screen, yeah. you know. Um, so. Yeah, but that's also hard in person, right? So <laughs> it's just hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. What do you think HR as an industry is, how do you see it evolving in the time that you've been in that area? Yeah. And what do you think the future holds for HR? Yeah, look, I think I think um, like, in, like the future of work, I think HR is evolving and the rate of change is pretty huge, um, particularly in, in tech. Um, I think you can't, I think it's naive to think you can't automate or you shouldn't be automating and it goes back to that earlier question about, you know, um, what what it's what the challenges are. People like to work on the shiny new things and, you know, oh, let's do this program and that program. But, um, but if you don't automate, then you're not actually going to have the capacity to do the value-add uh, type of stuff. So I think um, we need to keep you know, keep up with um, with automation so that we can have the capacity to to do the more value-add and people-focused um, activities. Uh, HR has probably always been known for the warm and fuzzy um, and definitely we want to maintain the people focus. but I, but I do believe we need to be more commercial um, and, and that we need to use our um, analytics capabilities so we can see trends and we can actually look at what the data is telling us to help us focus more strategically on 
on people or creating the right environment for people um, is no good if we're just administering things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I've seen that happen uh, where, you know, where things have just been manual and people just spend a lot of time administering things, you know, the data's not right and then you're spending weeks trying to sort that out when you could be um, coming up with a new program that helps, you know, retain people or um, provide a more sort of well organisation, you know, running wellness programs and, and those sorts of things. But if you, you know, spend all your time, um, you know, administering, you're not going to get time to, um, to do those things. Yeah. What, what sort of things would you love to collect data on and automate if you could? Wave a magic wand. Uh, wave a magic wand. We spend a lot of time administering the onboarding process and then the data from people to payroll and um, there's not a good flow of information. Uh, so that so that would be one. Uh, we've now got a people analytics person in our team so we've really uh, been able to um, progress our data in terms of, you know, gender pay, attrition, um, composition of the workforce. You know, we're looking at trends in relation to exits and engagement and being able to pinpoint, well, hey, this group here needs um, some extra support. So that that's all been uh, super positive that we've got that happening. Yeah. Uh, but the automation piece, you know, still a lot of that onboarding um, reminding people to do things, um, you know, manually sending data across to payroll instead of having the automated flow, yeah, you know, booking people into training programs or leadership programs manually instead of uh, online bookings and those sorts of things. Yeah, but things that people don't spend too much time thinking of, they just assume that it's all going to work, but there's obviously people stitching it all together behind the scenes. That's exactly right and people don't see all of the the ducks swimming under the water, the legs swimming, 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 swimming to keep it all nice and afloat. But um, but when you have people doing that sort of manual work, A, it's not very re- rewarding for them yeah. and also um, not allowing uh, the team to spend time focused on the people programs or coming up with a new uh, idea, thinking outside the square. Yeah. Uh, so is there something that you want to promote, like particular roles that you've got open at the moment that are hard to fill or just all the roles? Or... <laughs> it's, it's a great opportunity to, to join in Barto um, as we're growing and changing and, uh, you know, we're still really looking for a lot of analytics people. So um, they're particularly, uh, particularly hard to find and everybody's looking for them uh, right at the moment. Right. Yeah. I look at, um, you know, when you look at the future of work stats, you know, analytics is one of those areas that uh, seems to be at the top of all of the future lists. So, um, yeah, it's a great, great opportunity for those who have the skills to come and get um, get the experience at Invado with, um, with a marketplace, um, which is hard hard to do in Australia given there's not many of us around yeah yeah thanks so much for talking for it to us today it's been great to have you on yeah. no problem. well that was Michelle it was great to talk to her and we'll be following up with her a bit later in this year hopefully to find out how they've gone with their diversity program so it will be great to hear some of the strides they've been making in that space too
The weekly reboot is your regular Friday debrief coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. We love your feedback. Please send us emails to rebootme at rebootco.com.au or you can contact me on alex at rebootco.com.au. I'm Alex and you've been listening to the weekly reboot. We'll be back in your ears 4pm next Friday. Bye for now.